You are listening to Savor and Sage Unplugged, and I'm your host, Stephanie Renee. Each season, I'll be hooking up with a diverse group of folks that are unplugging and giving an unfiltered glimpse into their lives, creative process, and dropping that sage advice to carry us through life. Travis Cleaves is a talented chef, the creator of Blue Lotus Spice Company, a trained nurse, and has the best Instagram handle, The Spice Twerker. I met Chef Travis on Instagram and immediately clicked with him. Y'all, we talked and laughed for about two hours. It was such a good conversation. So good that I had to split it into two parts. So let's get into part one with Chef Travis, the twerker of the spice. So tell me this, how did your food journey begin? Ooh, so my food journey began um, when I was 11. Yeah, 11. So um, again, I'm from New Orleans, and so it's a it's a food city. Uh, food is is the backbone and the culture of New Orleans. Uh, you know, that's pretty well pretty well known thing. And so my mom, being a single mom, um, actually got tired when she came home from work of, have, of having to cook. And so she, one weekend, bought me in the kitchen and just looked at me and was like, um, you're going to have to start cooking. Because I have, I have uh, I'm the oldest of four. So I've got three younger siblings. But at the time, it was just me and my sister. And so she was like, you're going to have to just start cooking for you and your sister um, when y'all get home. Because my mom normally got home maybe like 6.37 from work. And so by that time, she, you know, dead tired and, you know, we was hungry looking for food. And so um, at 11, she was like, now it's your responsibility to kind of uh, feed, you know, you and your sister and also leave some for me. And so um, that's when I started cooking. The first dish she taught me how to how to make was red beans and rice. So, hey. stereoty- so stereotypically New Orleans, but it, it's... Um, one of those dishes where it's it it was born out of out of poverty. It was born out of out of need, and so I don't think a lot of people um, know that a lot of the dishes in New Orleans and a lot of the food we eat are actually dishes that came from poor people and came and were born out of um, either slavery or poverty or both. And so red beans and rice was one of those dishes where the women. Um, who worked um, in the service industry, like maids and housekeepers and stuff, they um, would put on beans in the mornings before they left their homes to go work for um, other people. And then in, by the time they got home in the evenings, they would be done. And you would fix them, put on a pot of rice and serve that to your family. And it was something that was, it was filling and it lasted for days. And so, uh, again, that was the first dish I learned to cook because that it was something that was not hard to, to mess up, but necessarily didn't involve me having to stand over a stove for a long period of time and, and, mm-hmm. and, baby, and babysitting it. So uh, that's how my food journey began. And um, when my mom tasted it and she was like, oh, my God, this is good, um, that was the, the, the switch 
that flipped. And that's when I went from an 11 year old kid who all he was worrying about was Nintendo to, okay, well, what's the, <laughs> what's the next thing I can cook? Well, what else can I cook? Well, can I, can I make this? Can I make that? Can I make this? And so, yeah, yeah I got, I got hooked early. <laughs> that's early. awesome. That's real cool. So, um, in those early years, what were some of the other things that you learned how to cook outside of the red beans and rice? Uh, macaroni and cheese. Um, I will admit that my first macaroni and cheese was out of a box. Um, I mean, I think maybe all of us. <laughs> I, think, I, I was like 12 or 13 and, you know, I, I didn't know anything about shredding cheese and, and, uh, the whole nuances of, of baked macaroni. All I knew was this was, uh, God, I'm about to date myself. This was like 17 cents for a box of, of macro of, of craft macaroni. And, and, oh, and, wow. and so I, I knew I had like a dollar 50 and I like, that's four boxes. That's, that's enough for everybody. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I made, um, made box mac and cheese and then learned how to uh, start experimenting and buying shredded cheese in the store and adding that to it, um, adding more milk to it and stuff like that until it got to a point where uh, my mom literally stopped cooking mac and cheese because she said mine was better. And and I was upset with that because I was like, but you, my mom, you supposed to make, you know, you supposed to make mac and cheese. And she looking at me like, no, <laughs> you got this. And I'm like, dang. So, <laughs> that, um, a dish that I, that I still make to this day, um, uh, it's, uh, in New Orleans, we just call it parsley potatoes. And what it is, is just, um, boiled red potatoes, butter, salt and parsley and that's it and you eat it with either a sausage or a piece of chicken or whatever mm-hmm. but as a matter of fact I made it and posted it on my um my Instagram page uh, a while back but that's a that is something it's simple it's easy but it tastes so good yeah it's amazing how like some of the most simple dishes can be like the best dishes the, the, With only the, a few ingredients, and it's, and what's funny is it's a New Orleans staple, and and um, yeah, I I, I make it at least twice a month, mm-hmm. at, especially in the winter months up here, because it's it's one of those um, com- it's a comfort food, it, it it's a comfort food, and so um, there was that. Um, I started making gumbo when I first got to high school. Yeah, I was like 14, 15, and I learned that from my grandmother. And um, looking back, um, now that my grandmother's no longer here, looking back, I I realized how sacred of an event that was. I took it for granted. I took it for granted then. Um, It did for a while because, you know, you're a teenager. You don't think your grandmother's going to gonna die and she and you know and she didn't pass away until uh recently when I was well and as an adult but after she passed away and looking back I was like she literally gave me everything of of her 
food wise and culinary wise. Um, and so uh, throughout high school and even through college, I worked in restaurants and in, in professional kitchens. And that's where I, I, um, I tell people I'm unofficially classically trained, <laughs> classically trained. Um, most, most chefs will be like, no, you're classically trained because you actually went through the ranks and learned from, you know, chefs. But um, even through all of that, the, the greatest skills and things I got, I got from my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's special time. I, I was talking to somebody not too long ago about just like shelling peas and things and taking that yeah. for granted. Yeah. Um, and now that I look back over, I'm like, wow, that was actually a really cool thing that I was doing with my granny. Yep. Like I, I to this day, I still hate cleaning shrimp. But I can do it. <laughs> hate it. Hate it. Um, you know, it's New Orleans. It's, it, we, I, I tell everybody in New Orleans, I, I, shrimp to us is like chicken because there's shrimp in damn near everything in New Orleans. You know, the Gulf is half hour drive <laughs> away. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when I was growing up, we had the shrimp man who was literally a guy in a pickup truck with three coolers on the back of his pickup truck and a scale and you would li- seriously no think- i mean even though you were in new orleans i was in richmond in the bay area and we had a man that would come by selling fish and shrimp yeah, and my and, granny and, would get some, something from him every friday and, and he had scale some plastic bags you would ask him for a certain amount of shrimp he weighed out put it in a plastic bag Tie it up, wrap it up in newspaper, and you and you will go about about your way. <laughs> and, I, and I think about it, I was like, people would freak out today if you tell them I bought shrimp from a guy on the side of the road, and they'd be like, "Wait, wait, what? How do you know that shrimp is clean? How do you?" Know? And it's like we didn't, we didn't care, you know. Yeah. It, it came out the water, like. <laughs> um, so for us, shrimp, you know, shrimp is shrimp is like like chicken, and so uh, it just yeah, golly, uh, my mom would come home with like 10, 15 pounds of shrimp, and literally roll out the newspaper on the table and be like, clean these, and I'd be like, why, <laughs> why, and so it's just I I can shell. And shell cleaning Devane shrimp with the with with the best of them. I I probably could do like a a, a pound in like ten minutes. Wow, yeah, wow, that's probably, pretty quick. Yeah, 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 and it's, it's yeah, it's just yeah, being from New Orleans. Yeah, <laughs> so New Orleans has big flavor. You got a big personality too, and I'm gonna say you're the twerker of spice. <laughs> <laughs> so share a little bit about just your philosophy on developing flavor and then tell us why you are the twerker of spice <laughs> okay i'll start with the last part first so <laughs> okay so um again uh and it's gonna sound like i keep saying this but it is it, 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 it all ties in but I, again from new orleans so we lay claim to being the the inventors, purveyors, and also uh, gatekeepers of twerking. And so um, 
when I when I when I first got on Instagram, I was just I was just it was Chef Travis or Chef Cleves, and either one, it pretty pretty freaking mundane. And so um, one day, as a bet, I was like, I need to do something just crazy, out of the ordinary, and um, but it has to embody everything that I am. And so I have a friend from high school. Um, he was like, um, yeah, you know, because you'd be out here making these tongues twerk. And I was like, yes. And so I was like, I can't be the tongue twerker because that that you can take that and it can go absolutely left. Yeah. With, you know, okay, can't do that one. I was like, but I do twerk these spices though. And so, and then that's that's how that's how that came about. Because I've always been a person, I've always made my own seasoning blends. I, I've, I think after college, I stopped buying prepackaged seasonings, mm. and um, I would actually go to um, like farm. They weren't farmers markets back then. I don't even know what you would call them. I guess they were kind of like international bazaars or whatever, and where you would get people from different parts of the world who literally would sell their native spices um, to people in their culture because they wanted to cook food that was native to them. Mm-hmm. So I would literally be the person, and I would go around, and I would buy two to three ounces of just different spices and try them all and and be like, okay, I like that. Okay, I like that. Well, let's see if these two work together. Oh, they do. Okay. Well, let me see my app. And and that's how that that is how I um one became the, the twerker of spices. <laughs> two, that is how I, I started developing um my flavors and flavor profiles. So, you know, again, working in in in, in kitchens in New Orleans you have a tendency to get stuck in one one flavor profile because you know New Orleans is a tourist city and so everybody's coming for a specific flavor and a specific taste and so you get proficient in creole spice blends cajun blends and stuff like that and, and managing um spice like heat spice mm-hmm. and so um once I got to college, I wanted to, to just experience different things because I never really did get the full international um, culinary experience. Like I got a lot of French, um, a lot of Creole, a lot of Cajun, but I never really did get like much Italian, much Asian, um, maybe a little Mediterranean Um I got a lot of Native American, but I never, you know, I never really just got many, um, well, let me say this. I didn't think I got at the time, like African, West African, East African, Mm. like stuff like that. So when I went to these bazaars and would buy these spices and try them all, that's when I just started realizing um, certain things go well together and and I would write them down so I wouldn't forget them and as I experimented more, I would write different things out like, okay, I like this with this, I like this with this, and then this goes good with fish, this goes good with beef, this goes good with chicken, this goes good with with seafood, but you know. Mm-hmm. And, and the more I experimented, the bolder and bolder I got 
with uh, flavors and also um, tried to push the envelope with a lot with a lot of things. Um, made a bunch of mistakes. <laughs> I can't I can't lie. Uh, made a bunch of nasty food, um, but in that experimentation, I, I found also my culinary voice. Mm. And um, I think that's a thing that I wish uh, we would push more to people is finding your personal culinary voice and not necessarily um, chasing a trend. Mm. Yeah, I love that finding your culinary voice because I do feel like right now there are certain things that are just like trendy and everyone is trying to do it I know that was one of the things like I just started blogging and I've cooked forever but just started the blog last year and then just kind of noticing that part of it that people do is they look at what's trending and then and they, they blog about that and they're cooking that and I'm like but that's not what I want to do Right. Right. And then you kind of feel this pressure like, oh, maybe I do need to do that because yeah. then I'll get these likes. And I'm like, hmm. I will I will I will say I will say this. The best advice that I give to people, especially in the in the culinary space, and especially social media blogging and stuff like that, I tell people all the time, create what you want, create what you like. Because I guarantee you there's someone else out there who likes what you like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they'll bring along someone else who's, who has that same, that same light. And, and, and believe it or not, you'll, you'll have a community of people and it's okay to be that community of people, community of people who like this particular, you know, thing. Um, and, we, and it's so unfortunate that we get caught up in social media as a means of as a means of of validation almost and mm-hmm. you know i tell people you know it, first and foremost it's entertainment and if you are not wanting to be an entertainer then that's not the, that that's not the medium for you um or let me let me say this: it's, it can be the medium for you, but you have to be okay with if you post something that only gets two likes, because you're not doing it for the likes; you're doing right. it for yourself. You just have you just happen to let your window open for people to peek into what you like. Mm. And so, if they like it or not, it doesn't make it any less real, or valid, or good. It's it's personal to you. It's your voice, yeah. and um everyone doesn't have everyone doesn't have to like your voice and um you know like the cliche says you can't please everybody all of the time and so that's why i say create what you like and if people don't like it people don't like it they just don't like it they just don't they just just and if they do they do um, but you have to be, you have to have that level of surety in yourself to kind of be like, not necessarily take it or leave it, but necessarily like, if you like it, great. If you, if you don't like it, great. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> you just not for me. That's all right. Just, you're just not for me. And so, um, a lot of chefs, I just really, whew, Lord, really, really wish 
they would get off the trend train and find their voices. Um, because then what, and I'm sure you've noted this, noticed this, but what you see happening is they get into trends and then they start fighting about who's the best at the trend. And it's like, get it six months. We ain't gonna care about this. We ain't gonna care about this anyway. Yeah. So, you know, I don't care about Hennessy wings. Never, I mean, never did, <laughs> you know. No, um, is that still a thing? Yes. Is it? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, see, <laughs> see, see, because you're like that. That's still a thing. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's 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 still a thing. I wish it would die, but mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's 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 still a thing. Um, pineapple bowls. Can, can we leave those in the Caribbean or in Hawaii? Like. Mm. I, <laughs> Yeah, it just amazes me sometimes. Like the thing, and you know, if that's what you like, that's what you like. Right, but the, the, but I'm just kind of like, oh, okay. And, then, <laughs> and, then, and it's like, then it becomes this ridiculous level of one-upsmanship about okay, mm -hmm. you, put, you put chicken teriyaki in your pineapple bowl. I'm about to put Hennessy crab, ambrosia, fried rice with uh, um Moscato sauce in my. And you like. That none of none of that makes it, it's like none of that makes any culinary sense. One, two of these things, the, <laughs> and, and and two, it's like why did he, why, why did he even have to get there? Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, like ugh, ugh, ugh. and what and what's what's hilarious is it's like it's levels to it. So it's like um, in the culinary world, you've got like hot cuisine. So you you've got the people who, who chase in Michelin stars, which I think is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, but you got the people who chase in Michelin stars and they, they're not making food for consumption. They're making food as art. You mm -hmm. know, when when they are the embodiment of culinary artists. Yes, because so, I've seen, it's been a couple of things and I'm like... Right, right, right. I mean, like, and then I'm going to still be hungry. So then I'm going to be angry because I... <laughs> you I don't know. I don't spend all this money for an ounce of food that you got rearranged looking like some Van Gogh picture. And it's like, yeah, but does it's it pretty? <laughs> right. But does it taste good? You know? Mm -hmm. And so but you, you got you got you got that level of the culinary game, which I will never, ever, 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 ever try to step into. Um because one, um I don't know if we could I don't know if we could touch on this, but we uh, eventually there's going to have to be a conversation had about the lack of diversity in high-end cuisine mm -hmm. and also the intentional, and I do mean intentional, walling off of that level of cuisine from Black people. Like, it is like... I mean, yeah, you could touch on it. Like, like it is, it is palpable. It is yeah. real. Um... I've got a lot of friends in the industry and we all talk about it. We, and what's sad is that all of these chefs' careers are built on the backs of Black people or, or minorities. Mm -hmm. um, case, case in point, like he's not, as, he's not as bad, he's gotten better, but it's a, it's a chef, his name is uh, Rene Redzepi. And he is, he's um, pretty, high, pretty, pretty, he's a pretty dope chef. He, he cooks very out of the ordinary stuff. If it's an ingredient that you didn't think 
was edible, he'll he'll cook it and try to and and eat it. But he cut his tooth in Mexican cuisine in Mexico on the backs of a ton of low wage, skilled Mexican artisan cooks who spent their lives just this is what they do. They mm-hmm. they are embodiment of Mexican cuisine. But you will never ever hear those people mentioned. And these chefs excel and build their names and grow on the reputations of the skills and dishes that they learn from these people. But you will never hear these people's names. Yeah. Ever. And so that has to be that has to be addressed because there's there's a level of appropriation that happens in the culinary world that we let we let slide mm-hmm. that sh- that we that we should. I kind of feel like, especially over this last year, that folks have been calling people out a lot more. Yes. Around appropriation. Yes. I would say I would say as tragic as the George Floyd summer was, it did shine a light on a lot <laughs> of BS that's been going mm-hmm. on in, in the food space. Like I love the fact that Food 52, the kitchen, Bon Appetit. Um, that they all got called out like y'all got these prominent blogs but very very rarely do we see you all feature people of color mm-hmm. women and even women of color who are a large chunk of your viewership and your and your readership yeah but you but these people are underserved or or underrepresented in the in your forward-facing media you've got these people that's kitchens you've got these people developing your recipes you've got these people editing and working hard for you on the back end but their faces can't be seen or yeah. you won't light on a, a savory and say a savory and sage you know or a kitchenista or you yeah. know other major black black bloggers out there who are doing excellent work who are like legit good cooks and chefs and i i, I sat back and watched and i was like finally <laughs> finally because you know prior to that you would say that to them and they would take that as an, as an offense in the front like oh, how dare you we yeah have, we have black staff and it's like i don't care if you got black staff why are black people allowed to tell their stories through, through your through your medium and you exactly. and, this gigantic sphere of influence but you want to keep the 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 type of influence just down to this little tiny 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 group of yeah group. just and a then, small percentage yeah a very small percentage and 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 defend it fiercely you know as if it's being as as if it's constantly threatened by something else and it's like it's, there's enough there's enough space for everybody yeah yeah I mean, I think a lot of folks over, I was just pretty amazed because I was just kind of starting off because I am not a social media person, but last year I had to step (laughs) to this (laughs) realm, but it was really cool. It was cool and interesting. And I was like, I wonder how many people are going to stick around um, when I started seeing like folks IGs just kind of blowing up, which was great Mm -hmm. that folks were following them, but then I had to wonder too, like, once they re- people are speaking out on stuff, are those folks gonna stay around? Right, 
Right, right. So uh, I spoke to that earlier this year. Matter of fact, matter of fact, it was at the beginning of Black History Month, and I posted it in my Instagram stories, and I was like, you know, last June you guys were heavy, deep. Oh, we want we want to support black people, black food, blah 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 blah. You know, I saw my business take uh, a tremendous upswing. And then it just, it, it's, you, you could see it slowly just mm. tapering off. And then February is here, and, uh, and I'm like, none of y'all are even, or, 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 well, no, no, I can't say none. Very few have, have, have stayed. And the ones that have stayed uh, are the ones you can tell that are genuinely about progress and being pro- pro- progressive. Um, I, I won't go as far as saying full allyship yet, but I will say is that they you can tell that they are listening and, and, and learning. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, one thing about my space, you know, I don't have a ton of followers. Um, I probably never will because I, I, uh, I'm like you. I'm not I'm not a social media person. I'm just a I'm putting out what I like. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a very you say big personality. I don't, I don't think I have a big personality. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I'm just very matter of fact about a lot of about a lot of things, and and so for me it 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 is what it is, and it, and it's like I'm not I'm not about to placate people's feelings on certain issues. I'm black. I'm always gonna be black. I can't. I, I there's not a day that I can that I can take my blackness off yeah. or or sit it down. So. When it comes to things in support of Black people, and when I say support of Black people, I mean all Black people, trans people, gay, whomever. If you are Black and on this planet, you have my support. Because I always say we all can't win if we all don't win. That is so true. So regardless of what my religious preferences or beliefs may be, I'm not about to sit here and sacrifice a group of black people out of some sense of respectability, or if we just get rid of that group, we can, we can kind of advance a little, nah, it don't work like that. We, we all go, you know, no, no one gets left behind unless you choose to be Candace Owens, Stacey Dash. (laughs) I think Stacey's trying to come back too. Nah, nah, (laughs) nah, stay where you at, boo. Stay, stay, stay. Stay where you at. Stay where you at. You know, uh, you can't come back. You can't. You can't come back once you don't realize the train has derailed and it ain't nowhere else for it to take you. Like, <laughs> stay, stay, stay where you at. At least, at least I respect Candace Owens enough to where she like. I don't care if the train crashed or not. This is my train and I'm riding with. <laughs> to the wheels fall off. To the she wheels. Just, she on the, it. Till the wheels fall off. Do you, boo? Do you? But just know, just ju- just know, you know. And what I think they don't understand is we fight for you too. Yeah. We fight for we fight for you. I mean, and, that's one thing I I love about us is that we gonna be down for each other, <laughs> even though we probably shouldn't sometimes. Pro- probably should not. And, and 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 again, like I said, we all we all gonna win. Even the ones who don't who don't want us to win, like Ben Carson. 
Herschel Walker. You know, like 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 you know, we 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 fight we fight for you too. We fight for you too. Yeah, but I I I, I for me, I think I'll I, I think I might like maybe like fourteen hundred followers. If I if I get to two thousand, I think that'd be a miracle. Just because, <laughs> oh. no, seriously, like I never thought I never thought I'd get to a thousand. And only and uh-huh. only reason, and only reason why I got to a thousand was just the whole George Floyd stuff. Mm. And so, and I was like, oh, okay, oh, okay, I got I got four little digits now. Oh, this is nice. This is nice. You know, I see people like, oh, I'm at ten k, twenty k. And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> right. I'm like. That's that is that is that is nice that you got ten thousand yeah. people to 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 enjoy you. But also, I will also say there's a certain level of liberty and freedom in being unnoticed. Um, not that I couldn't do what I want to do because that that's just me. I'm gonna do what I want to do anyway. But a lot of times, I tell people, fame is a prison, man. It is, it is, it is imprisonment. It is indentured servitude. And I don't think a lot of people understand the level, the levels of the numbers of famous people who their whole lives is wrapped up and intertwined in their fame. Mm -hmm. And that if you took that away from them, they don't know who they are. And, and all the access, all the 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 notoriety, everything is what is 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 what is who they work for. And you be like, oh, they rich. They don't have to work for no, 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 no. They work for the fame. They work to keep. They work to stay relevant. They work to stay noticed. And mm-hmm. that's their that's their job. And it's a hamster wheel that a lot of them can't get off. And the trend in, in you'll, and you'll notice it is that the ones that do get off, the first thing people will be like, oh man, they just, they lost it. Or they, they, they must be having some type of mental health crisis yeah. or whatever. Like, nah, they just sick of it. They just like, I'm I done. I just need to be away. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I think there's like a beauty too in, like, I know for me, I'll speak for myself. I love it when people underestimate me or think that, oh, I don't have something because they don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Right. And <laughs> right. it's like, because I do, I, I kind of like being quiet. I'm not like a boastful person. I kind of like being quiet about my stuff. Not like trying to hide it. It's just, you know, I don't need to. Everybody don't need to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. No. Like, and then when it happens, when it's supposed to be public, then it is. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I didn't know that was going on. I, I, I feel that so much because so it's hilarious when I tell when I when I when um I tell people my story, because a lot of people when they see me, they're like, oh, okay, no, you're a chef or whatever. And I'm like, but that's 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 a small a small part, and so when I tell people I'm like, yeah, no, I'm 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 um, I am a nurse. I'm a nurse by I'm a nurse by education. I'm a nurse by trade. I've mm-hmm. you know I've been in healthcare. Oh, I'm old. <laughs> now I've been in healthcare. Let's see, I'm 44, so 20, 22 years. 
Yeah, twenty-two oh, wow. years. And, and, and people look at me, and so a lot of times, you know, if it wasn't for like some of the grades or whatever, people would be like, "You're not forty-four years up." Yes, yes, yes. I mean, you got twenty-some-year-olds that got gray hair now. You. <laughs> But, you know, but people always look at me and people don't think I have the breadth of knowledge and experience that, that, mm-hmm. that I have. And I'm like, yes, I've been in healthcare. And you're for not two- in a box. I've been in healthcare for 22 years. I've been cooking since I was 11. I was, I officially became a professional chef uh, when I was 25. Uh started my own catering company so what's that's 19 years yeah 19 years on 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 that side so you know i I come i come with a breadth of knowledge about multiple you know multiple things i've got uh multiple degrees i've got a degree in biology i've got a degree in nursing um got a minor in psychology uh started college my first major was electrical engineer so oh, wow yeah you know so it, it, <laughs> look at you so smart <laughs> um, over here know, getting all these degrees and things man look look <laughs> oh, wait, i need joe biden to just push that button on that student loan and and <laughs> oh my goodness uh, you ain't never you, lied with that one you look, ain't look. never lied Uncle Joe, we need you to, we need you to, whatever little button you, go over to the department of your pocket. Look, just go over to the Department of Education, whatever that little switch is, you know, hit that little switch so we could just do, we could just hit reset and and, and start over. Cause I, you know, it's, (laughs) it's tragic that, you know, you go to college and even culinary school. And you come out hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that in, doesn't make any sense. In debt. And then it's like, even if you got a six-figure job and say you say you somehow had a way to, to have absolutely no bills, no responsibility, and you could just devote your entire salary to just paying off your student loans, you know, it's ridiculous that it would take you a year's salary to do that. And it's like... I just need, I just need Uncle Joe to hit that switch. Uh, 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 like, on please, 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 do it. <laughs> please. You know, people are like, oh, you got all these degrees. I'm like, I got all this debt. <laughs> Lord, yes. I, I, I got, I got, the, I got this so, debt. Other than, other than the debt. <laughs> <laughs> What's on the horizon for you right now? Thanks for listening to Savor and Sage Unplugged. To subscribe to the podcast, check out other episodes, and to stay up to date, head over to saberandsage.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, and thank you for all of your DMs, emails, all those shouts of encouragement. Stay tuned for the next episode, which drops next Sunday. Sunday.